the last couple of weeks have been a couple of the most emotional and stressful of my life. So I'm going to kind of give you a heads up in advance. There's no telling the direction this week's podcast will take. Uh, the goal is to really talk about and have you think about the unbelievable opportunity network marketing allows us all, and that is to live a life of significance. Welcome to the MLMSuccess.com podcast, the show designed to return the network marketing industry to its roots of personal growth, leadership development, and wisdom of the ages success principles. We share with you real success stories from real people that we hope will inspire and encourage you personally and help you progress forward in your business and your life. We believe if you build people, people will build the business. Now here is your host who has been called the number one mind in network marketing, the MLM Profit, Network Marketing Virtual Mentor, and a host of other names that we will not mention because this is a family show. Frankly, he's just a small-town guy that figured out that the real product in network marketing is people. Dale Calvert. Today, when most of you listen to this podcast, will be listening the release date. It's actually going to be on Election Day in the United States. And for those of you that aren't in the, are in the U.S. and haven't voted early, or vote it yet, I hope you'll exercise your right to vote. It's the most important right you have as an American citizen. Uh, I don't talk a lot about politics in this podcast. I've always considered it kind of obvious for logical thinking people. However, there if there's anything that I've really learned in network marketing, especially uh, over the past 20 years, being an entrepreneur and working in the network marketing profession with a lot of different people, uh, I understand that common sense is no longer common. Uh, I understand that many people, unfortunately, and I don't know why, but they cannot come to obvious conclusions on their own. No matter what their IQ is or how much formal education they've had or have, uh, it's very difficult for some people to just come to logical conclusions. Uh, most people, they follow the sheep. Uh, they, they follow the crowd, the special interest groups that they can identify with. And more important than anything that I've really come to realize, I've talked a lot about it in the last couple of years, is that people see things not as they are. We see things as we are. Everybody has their own pair, different colored glasses that they see the world through based upon many different things. So here's my political advice. Uh, it is the advice that I use myself for every major decision, uh, people that we connect with, get involved with, uh, every entity, every business any organization that I might find myself working with. And the thing that I always go back to, and I will always talk about because I think it's so important, and that is what I look at, whether we're talking about politics or business or people or anything else, is track record. Track record. When you take a look at the track records and nothing else, because really nothing else matters, in the case of the presidential election for me and for many others, I mean, it's just beyond obvious. However, I understand that most people have not trained themselves to really consider and only consider track record. It's easier to just follow the herd. Uh, you know, it's easier to make decisions based not upon the real issues or track record. Instead, they tend to let shallow, emotionally driven factors play into really important decisions. Most people in the world live in a WIFM world, WIFM, and that stands for what's in it for me. And because of that, because their focus in the world they live in is centered around what's in it for me, they can be easily manipulated. 
it's easier for liars to tell you what you want to hear. You know, and I've talked about this in this profession for many years. You know, how far do you want to go back? We can go back to MLMScam2.com and you, you'll have case study after case study of people communicating things in the marketplace like we'll do 99, we'll do 100% of the work and you keep 90% of the commissions. And I'm not going to rehash all that, but it is what it is. When you live in a WIFM world, then you're easily manipulated. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about business, life, any organization. I've always believed in the concept of team. Team, T-E-A-M. Together, everyone achieves more. And unfortunately, track record is awfully ignored uh, and shallow, emotionally driven factors play into major life decisions sometimes. So people look at, well, I don't like their personality or, you know, uh, he was mean to that reporter. And I'm thinking, okay, rude for sure. Put yourself in that situation and daily have the same question pounded at you over and over when you've explained in every possible way you know how there is no basis in reality for that question. Shouldn't you have already discovered that if you're doing your job, look behind the curtain, got the facts for yourself, and shouldn't you be shouldn't you be asking a more intelligent question? I mean I totally one thousand percent understand the rude comment. But some people get so offended by, again, things that do not matter. And we live in a world of identity politics, special interest groups, where if you're supposed to be part of the group and you don't follow the group, then you're shunned or even attacked, even attacked. Uh, You know, a lot of times people are raised in very judgmental, judgmental environments they're raised in 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 worlds of prejudice uh prejudice towards an, another race prejudice towards another economic class of people and so on and so forth i mean we live in a world where hollywood is dictating how we're supposed to think about certain issues and certain people and certain politicians. I mean, I guarantee you, if you look at late night TV over the last two weeks, you know, the comedians, it was nothing more than guest propagating as entertainment this they they were political messages, late night comedy TV. I mean, whatever happened to Johnny Carson? But if you you can go on any of them, it's the same thing because Hollywood's behind it. Uh, they're part of it, and it's there's just no question about it. I mean, it's so clear to see. Most people don't go deep and look behind the curtain. Uh, you know, it's just really clear. For, for those of us that do. And, you know, anybody, you can go back to 1997 on my MLMHelp.com blog, and it's pretty obvious. I never particularly liked Donald Trump as a human being. I mean, I've written about him off and on since 97 when he started the Trump Network, and everybody thought, well, that was going to be, you know, the big, the next billion dollar company. And, and I wrote about that. I've written about a lot of different things over the years, not a lot, but probably four or five articles about Trump at MLMHelp.com. And, you know, I've never really liked him as a human being. Uh, I never watched. What was that show that my buddy was on, Mike Patillo? Well, y'all know what it is. I can't think of it at the moment. Never watched it. If Mike had made it on, I would have. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about. And the reality is, though, that I understand and I, I totally respect the fact that most real leaders are not necessarily, in 99% of the cases, the most popular. They're not. Uh, 
as a leader in America, uh, when I look at uh, as far as someone leading this country and providing leadership to this country, uh, it just comes down to a matter of track record and nothing else. Nothing else. Uh, how many times uh, somebody's been married or he said something at some point that he probably should have never said? It just doesn't enter my mind. Uh, well, he did this. He did that. He said this to this lady. He was rude here. I mean, all that, it's just, it's minutia. It's minutia. And over the years, I've learned, you know, some of the best ideas personally from people that I dislike the most. And I'm not going to name their names, but I've learned some great ideas. Um, drip feed blogs when they first came out and a lot of other real important ideas that were very significant from people that I really disliked. So the only thing that I ever look at is what is the track record. And when you look at the track record of the current administration uh, prior to Corona, obviously, um, and again, while we're on Corona, I'm not going to go down that go down that path because I could I could talk forever about that. But we will look at the track record prior to Corona because Corona disrupted the world, and maybe intentionally, maybe not. That's to be debated. But you know, they keep talking about now. It's like, well, we the cases are rising, the number of cases are increasing, and what are you going to do about it? And it's like, okay. How many times do you have to hear, do you understand basic math? If more tests are taken, then obviously there's going to be more positive tests. That's not hard to figure out. You should have, you should have got off that bandwagon, you know, a month ago. I mean, it just blows my mind, really. And, you know, when it was first came out, when it's first presented, it's like, you know, if you get it, you're going to die. It's going to kill you. That was the media. It's a fatal disease, a fatal um, virus. It's fatal, 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 fatal. And then it's like, okay, all we have to do is close down the world, close down the economy, and everybody gets masked up for 14 days and we'll eliminate it. Well, that's not true. I mean, we've all proven that, or most of you have. I don't, well, I'm not going to even go down that road, but 99%, it has a, what, a 99 point something, 99 point something percent survival rate? I mean, the survival rate is like compared to the flu bug. And, and again, I don't want to go down Corona. Because it, it just it just blows my mind. Let's go back to the track record before Corona. And let's just look at some of the facts. And I've got pages more for people. I did an article on this on Trump again. It's at mmhelp.com. Trump 2020 is the link for the article. But if we just put everything else aside, the rudeness, the the obnoxiousness, uh, the fact he's been married three times or whatever else concerns you. And and again, I'm not just I'm saying this with anybody, any leader, anybody that you can learn from that is truly leading because true leaders, true leaders are, are not going to be the most popular. They're just not because they're going to they're going to lead and. Leadership must be willing to tell people sometimes what they need to hear, not necessarily what they want to hear. And at some point, ignorance asked over and over and over and over and over again will wear out anybody. So, uh, but prior to Corona, consumer confidence and small business confidence was at an all-time high, according to every poll ever taken. Uh, more than 7 million jobs were created since the election. More Americans were employed than ever in the history of the United States. More than 400,000 manufacturing jobs were created since the election. 
manufacturing jobs uh, were growing faster than at any rate for more than 30 years. The stock market had reached record highs. And, and you know, I love, what's his name? Biden saying, oh, I'm not for the people with the worry about the stock market. Amer- or average American, American job, they don't care about the stock market. That's for the rich. And it's like, you moron. Don't you understand how 401ks, 401s, uh, and pension plans are attached to the stock market, people's retirement? You don't get that? I mean, what are you talking about? It, it's just like, please, look behind the curtain. Uh, medium household incomes hit the highest level ever recorded. African-American employment was at an all-time, unemployment, excuse me, was at an all-time low. Same for Hispanic unemployment, all-time low. Asian-Americans unemployment, all-time low. Women's unemployment rate was a, at a 65-year lowest. It's been in 65 years. Youth, uh, uh, the lowest it's been in 50 years. And then, you know, you really look at some of the other issues like that. I love the fact that VA employees started were starting to be held accountable for their poor performance. More than 4000 VA employees were either removed or demoted and suspended for their for, for, from, for their jobs because they weren't doing the work. I mean, the VA hospitals had become a nightmare. Uh the poverty rate fell to a 17-year low. It was at 11.8% under the Trump administration as a result of such a job-rich environment that was created. And see, the bottom line, guys, if families are not safe and the economy is not strong, there's not a chance that we can work on other challenges that this country has the United States has and needs to be addressed. So I've said my piece on that. I'm not going to get into any more. It is what it is. It's beyond obvious to me. I don't understand why people just, I, it just blows my mind. But again, I did write an article, full article over at mmhelp.com forward slash Trump 2020. Um, you know, for me personally, and again, I understand I'm not normal, I guess. I always thought I was. But for me personally, I have no problem disagreeing with people and still respecting them. Now, there's people that I disagree with and don't respect. I certainly don't respect everybody that I disagree with. But in general, uh, I understand many of us, uh, there's many people that are sincerely wrong about our opinions. And we have... You know, many people in network marketing have been raised in the wrong cultures with wrong mentors. And I, re- I get that. I understand that. Or as human beings, you know, raised in terribly negative environments with a lot of negative programming that has to be worked on to be overcome. And I know it can be overcome, but it's not easy. It has to be worked on. And, and then there's still, a lot of people are gullible enough to think that mainstream news stations, uh, CNN, the Communist News Network, are, are, are they're nothing. They don't understand that they're nothing more than political propaganda outlets. That's all they are. That's all they are. They, they don't report anything positive, any anything that could say. Hey, this administration has done an awesome job here. They did this. They did that. They ignore it. They ignore it. It's a machine to bring down a president that they've been trying to get out since the day he was elected. That's what's going on. And it, to not see that blows my mind. So I know that everyone has limiting beliefs and we all have limiting beliefs. And we have them because there are there are beliefs. So we can't see sometimes. And and I can certainly look at different situations in my own life where I've lived with limiting beliefs that I wish I hadn't had. 
but we all have limiting beliefs and we all see things not as they are, but as we are. So you've got to be able to look at both sides of the issue, look at the facts and then figure out, you know, for yourself based upon the facts that can be documented. But really, ladies and gentlemen, as far as I'm concerned, because I don't I get into politics, but I don't that much. I try to just stay in the loop a little bit. Important times of the year, if there's something really important, then I'll really get into it to the best of my ability. And I do the same thing. I put it on the Communist News Network. I put it on Fox. I put it on and, – and see what covers – what stories are they covering? How are they covering it? And you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you do that for about a week, and you'll figure out what's really going on. And then it's like, do I really want to spend time, you know, hearing the pundits uh, – you know, spread their propaganda or do, or do I want the straight scoop here? So, again, the bottom line for me, it's not about politics. It's really not. It's about how do each of us, no matter what our race, our background, our political affiliation, uh, uh, anything, how do we as individuals live a life of significance? How do we live a life of significance? And network marketing gives you, gives me that opportunity. Uh, most of you know that uh, I decided to build a team back in August. Uh, it seems like years ago now. But back in August, and, uh, you know, we, Don and I made the decision basically to shut down every business that we had and just do what we had to do, nothing else, no promotion, no planning just shut it down so we had the time and the energy to really focus uh with uh, with APL go aplgousa.com aplgousa.com if you guys don't know about it and you want to figure out what we're doing or if you care but we did that in August and September and it was great i mean phenomenal um phenomenal we were the number one recruiter in August in the world, and we were also the number one recruiter in the world in September. Uh, we built a great foundation with some phenomenal, awesome people that we're really excited to be working with. You know, different people from all walks of life, all backgrounds, probably some Democrats, Republicans, and Independents, and whatever other political affiliation, a lot of different, I'm sure, different backgrounds, races, religions, from different countries, four or five different countries around the world. Uh, just a great eclectic group of people and a strong foundation. The company took off second month after they launched in the U.S., did $1 million in sales, over a $1 million the second month in business, which is just rolling. And to say it was just rolling, it is rolling, would be a major understatement. So that was in August and September, October. We had to, we had to refine some systems that we needed. We needed to catch up on some of our other businesses, some of the things that we let fall through the cracks. Uh, the last quarter of the year is our busiest time of the year for all of our other businesses. So, I mean, we had some, and I needed a break. Don needed a break. I mean, we just been burning the candle at both ends, going as hard as we could go. And, you know, we decided we're going to go at the end of the month. It's Dawn's birthday, our anniversary. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to chill out. We're going to plan. We're going to try to catch up, uh, get refocused, get our plans together for the last part of the year, the beginning of next year. And that was our goal in October. We got it launched. We got some awesome people. Now we've got to refine and, and move forward. And if you're a regular listener to this podcast, then you know that you know, the last couple of weeks, uh, we have had a, to make another unexpected, totally unexpected detour in our life. I mean, we got the trip, trip to the beach book for the end of the month. And then on Sunday, the 18th of uh, October, uh, Dawn got a frantic call from her mom and her dad was having, major health, something was going on. So she went over there and was going to call the ambulance. And then based upon how long it was going to take the ambulance to get there and what hospital they would, they would take him to and so on and so forth. 
she got a neighbor, they got him loaded in the car. And the next thing I know, she's over there visiting her parents, checking on her dad. And the next thing I know, she's on her way to the hospital. And that was on Sunday the 18th. And since that time, uh, we, we got real lucky. She was really afraid she was going to have to drop him off at the emergency room and, and let him kind of fend for his own. But he's, I say he's 91, he's 89 years old. And, but Dawn has all his medical information and, uh, she's helped, you know, get him back and forth to doctor's appointments for the last couple of years. And so they got an exception and she got to stay and be with him. And she spent the night, the first night and, uh, they did whatever paperwork had to be done through the hospital. And so for the last, you know, every day she's been going to the hospital every morning uh has her her temperature taken make sure her vitals are okay and get gets her armband that she's been tested you know that she's not a candidate to have coronavirus and you know so she's been spending all day communicating with hospital staff doctors nurses uh you know trying to keep her dad upbeat positive um help him understand what's going on then reporting back to her five sisters and her mom every single day all during the day as new doctors come in and so forth and so on and doing tests and just, you know, staying as emotionally strong as she can for her dad. And then, you know, just coming home every night and just meeting me at the door and just crying, crying her eyes out. So, this has been an everyday occurrence, everyday occurrence. And then finally on Sunday, the 25th, I mean, things were really starting to look up. She can't, she called me as soon as she got there. She said, Dale, he's got the big oxygen mask off. Uh, he's got the little one on. Uh, I talked to one of his doctors and they said, if he's really improving and if he improves as much, keeps improving like this, that we're going to be able to get him out of intensive care and into a regular room. And, you know, then from there we can get him home. And it was just very encouraging on the 25th. And, you know, let's just hope he keeps improving and, and we'll get him home soon. And that, of course, that was our thoughts and hopes and prayers. And then on the 28th, uh, he passed away. He passed away on October the 28th, and we had the funeral yesterday, which was at the time of this recording, that was November 1st. So he went in on October 18th. We had, we had high hopes on the 25th, the 28th, he passed away. Uh, and we had the funeral yesterday. So it's the first time Don or I have had a parent die. So it's been very emotional time. Uh, we both are still kind of in a little bit of shock. I mean, both of Don's kids were staying with us and went to the funeral and they're gone now. And it's just kind of, we're just everybody, the whole family, her sister, mom, everybody's just kind of a little shock. Everybody met last night after the funeral and it's going to be real interesting from my perspective, for me, how this affects mindsets, you know, when the dust settles a little bit, because it has to be a little different knowing that, you know, you've got, you've had four parents, her two and my two, and one of them's gone. Uh, it's just, it's just got to be different. And again, this is a new part of life. Uh, but Mr. Holloway lived a life of significance a life of significance, and he left a legacy that anyone would be very proud of. I mean, he treated me like I was his son from day one. Uh, I was never around him. And, you know, Don and I spent as much time we have since we've been married, you know, going out to eat at least once or twice a month with them and spending as much time with, as we possibly could with her parents, my parents, family. I mean, that's where we spend our time that we have, and we've done that with them. And But every time I was around them, he would ask, how's your mom and dad doing? How's your grandkids doing? How are your daughters doing? And it was kind of, you know, he loved Almond Joy candy bars, which I do as well. And he would go to Sam's Club and buy the big packs of Almond Joys. And 
Dawn might be over there, you know, helping with something and coming home. And I cannot tell you how many times that Daddy sent this home for you, and it'd be an Almond Joy bar. I mean, we had a phenomenal relationship. And not just he and I, but all the son-in-laws, everybody that he came in contact with. Um, So it, it, it was... As I said, they were a priority for us, and Don and I have spent a lot of quality time with them over the last, you know, 10 years since we've been married. And uh, he was supporting us and every member of his family as to the very best of his ability. Never had a crossword. Always had a smile on his face. Supportive, supportive, supportive. And he didn't understand a lot about our businesses and why we traveled so much and what does Dale talk about when he speaks on stage and all that. And, and he didn't really understand it much. And he really didn't. It didn't matter to him because I think he knew that 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 I loved Don and Don loved me. And that's really all. That was his. That was his thermometer. That's how he gauged everything. Uh, so he didn't understand a lot about what we were doing. Like many Americans, you know, his focus, especially from that generation, which is phenomenal, was providing well for and supporting his family the very best he could. He spent four years in the Air Force, came home, married his sweetheart, got a job at Lockheed and spent 41 years there, uh, 41 years and raised six daughters, uh, he did what he was taught to do, you know. So working for yourself or being an entrepreneur was never something that he considered. I mean, his focus and was on, period, supporting his family. There's very few people that have had the level of consistent support that I'm talking about in their life. And I just have to pinch myself because I've gotten it from my dad as well, my mom and dad. Dawn's gotten it from hers, and that's probably the thing that we have the most uh, most in common because Dawn and I are really pretty opposite in most ways. But we were both blessed to be raised in a very, very supportive environment and supportive parents. And, you know, leadership in business it you can't just support 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 love 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 you sure can with families you absolutely can with families but you can't in business because in business leaders have to care about enough about their teams or people to tell them sometimes what they need to hear not necessarily what they want to hear and we all because of the network marketing business model, have the opportunity to live a life of significance no matter who we are, what we do. However, there are very few business models that really allow you to have an impact on as many other people as you do with the network marketing business model. Very few. Uh, I can remember... Back in '95, we after, right after we launched New Image and things were booming, and one of our distributors, Bob Armstrong, uh, he was he loved to travel. He went to China and he traveled all over the world. He just loved to travel, and he had never been to Las Vegas. He said, "I want to go to Las Vegas. I've never been." And so he talked me and some other people said, "Let's just go to Las Vegas." And he got some kind of special discount at MGM and. All, you know, he knew how to get the discounts on the flights and everything. It wasn't going to cost him a lot. So there was about six, seven couples went to Las Vegas for the very first time. And that was the first time I'd ever been to Las Vegas. And I think about it now, I've probably been to Las Vegas 50, 60 times, done a lot of events out there, spoke at different events for different companies. I mean, it's like a convention town. But back then, that was my first trip to Las Vegas. And and I knew that my childhood friend, Lance Burton from Louisville, Kentucky, was doing a magic show out there. He was part of a variety show at the Venetian, or I can't remember, it wasn't Venetian. It was, it was where, uh, for those of you in Vegas, it was the hotel where the Luxor is now. They tore it down and built the Luxor. I can't remember the name of it, but he was part of a variety show there, so I wanted to go see him. 
and I did. And uh, he blew the crowd away. Just phenomenal, phenomenal magician. And uh, I got to speak to him for a few minutes after it was over. And I remember one of the guys there. He said, "Dang, Dale, you could have been you could have been a Las Vegas magician." And it was the plumber. For those of you that know that crew, <laughs> and I'm not going to say any more than that. But but it, but it 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 bothered me for a little bit, and I really got thinking about it. And it's like, yeah. I probably, you know, if I'd really, if I wanted to put the time, energy, effort, dedication, commitment that he put into it, yeah. But you don't know where this guy started. I do. I remember when he was doing three days, three shows a day, seven days a week at Tombstone Junction in a little tourist trap amusement park in the mountains of Kentucky. And they gave him a trailer to stay in and meals at the lodge and minimum wage. I mean, I know his story. I know where he started. I know the time, energy, effort, dedication he put into it. And I got thinking about all that. And it really bothered me for a little bit. Not not bothered me, bothered me, but it created a lot of thought. And I was thinking about that after that night, and I ended up doing it right now, the training about, and, I, and somebody probably has this because I know it was recorded. If anybody could find it, I would love to have, have it. But I did a training. I only did it once. I, it's something that I did it. I got it out. And I've hung on to it for myself. And But the, I did the training. Like we got back, and the next weekend we had an event in Johnson City, Tennessee at the Sheraton. And that's the only time I ever did that training, and it was called Living a Life of uh, – our network marketing gives you the opportunity to live a life of significance. And I talked about Lance, and I talked about, you know, he's going to have a phenomenal life. He's talented. He's the best at what he does, uh, and he will, and he did. I mean, he went on and ended up signing a $100 million, 10-year contract with – um, one of the hotels out there, the name escapes me right now. He was there for 10 years and I probably saw his show there, you know, 50 times, not exaggerating. I'd go two times, three times in a week. It was such a phenomenal show at the Monte Carlo. And, um, but, but here was my, here was, here was when, when, when you're an entertainer and you could, you can talk about whatever, any profession, anything, you know, you can entertain and you can make people laugh and you can make people cry and you can have fun if you're a singer or a tap dancer or a ventriloquist or whatever. But the thing that I came to and the thing that I realized back then, and this was early, early, early in New Image International is, we have the opportunity to create a life of significance because we can really make a huge impact and have a ripple effect on the lives of other people. And I would never be able to do that as a magician. You know, as a magician, I would never be able to watch people that we poured our time, energy, effort into and watch them walk across the stage knowing not just that their life's changed, but future generations will be changed because they understand and they've and they become so much more self-aware about their thought and their time management and the skill sets that ultimately create success because that's all we talk about. Build people, people build the business. So I remember thinking about that. And, you know, the thing that I just want to communicate, when your life is over, were you a giver or were you a taker? Were people in your life better because you were in their life? And and I'm, I'm not talking it doesn't I'm not talking about political affiliation, your religion, or where what country you live in the world. The question is the question. The question is the question no matter where you are in the world, no matter what your political affiliation, no matter what your religion, no matter your race, your your gender, none of that matters. What really matters, were you a giver or were you a taker? Were you a giver or were you a taker? Was the world better? Were people better because you were in their life? And for Mr. Holloway, 
Everyone that knew him absolutely loved him, which is a sign of a good person. I mean, he had no enemies. He led his family, and he led them well, and he taught them to love each other unconditionally, which is probably one of the most important things a dad can do, to teach family to love each other unconditionally, not to judge. Don't judge. And, you know, leaders outside of families will never have that type of love or admiration. It's just it's impossible. People that are leading teams or even presidents or leading countries, uh, they'll never have that. But they should have that within their own families. So what I'm saying is everybody can create that within their family. Everybody can create it within their family. And I've never seen myself and probably never will see myself as a controversial person because I just speak my mind. I've never considered myself controversial. I remember how heartbroken I was years ago when I was on an audio program. There was eight of us, uh, myself, Jim Rohn, uh, Big Al. I can't remember who else was on there, but it was produced by Jerry Clark. It's called Standing on the Shoulders of Giants or something. I can't remember the name of it. But when he was describing me and he said, Dale's one of the most controversial controversial figures in our industry because he speaks his mind and his systems and concepts have helped over 200 people develop six-figure full-time incomes and several people have become millionaires on his team. And... I remember that bothered me. And it's like, because you speak your mind, therefore you're controversial. So again, I'm just, I'm, it it just kind of some things I just, it just, I don't understand. And and I still don't understand. I mean, my, my feeling is real leaders don't have to, they don't like to and don't share too many opinions. They normally just keep their opinions to themselves. However, when they do speak, they speak freely and passionately about the issues and convictions that they have when the timing is right. And sometimes probably when their timing is wrong. But it's not because they want to hear themselves think or talk. It's because they have to communicate what they believe, the passions that they believe. And again, I'm talking about real leadership. You know, when I started in network marketing, if you told me that the passions and convictions that I have would have a as positive effect as it has on so many people or a negative effect on others, I, I could have never understood that. And, and honestly, I still don't because to me, so many things they either just make sense based upon documented facts and track record or they don't and it's there's not a lot of gray it either makes sense or it doesn't if it doesn't then don't spend any time there if it does keep moving forward until you find the red flags so i know there are people that i 100 percent disagree with and i believe with everything within me that their thought process and their their opinions are wrong even their beliefs are wrong However, I, I still respect them for having the guts to speak their truth, whether I agree with it or not. Uh, I don't consider them my enemies. You know, their opinions aren't going to affect me, my family, one way or the other. However, those that are in leadership positions too much is given, much is required, whether we're talking about network marketing guru, teachers, trainers, what they're teaching, or politically, that's a different story for me. You know, so again, people can spout their opinions all day long. It's not going to affect me one way or the other unless it does, unless it affects the industry that I'm involved with, the profession I'm involved with, or the country that I live in. Does that make sense? So, you know, I got a guy in Georgetown, a lot of you know, my middle daughter Channing was 
married here a month or so ago, and I have a friend in Georgetown that we get together as many as much as we can when I'm in town. If we have time for our schedules work out, and you know we argue all the time, and it's always political, and it's it's our thing. We do that. You know, and early in my life, I never identified with any particular political party. I mean, I loved Ross Perot and voted for him in the primary, and he was the furthest thing from from a politician that I'd ever seen, and a lot of people liked him. And I would have voted for him for president if he'd stayed in the race, but, uh, you know, he was anything but a mainstream po- politician. He was an American. Uh, he was a... A, a patriot. He was a business-minded individual, and you know he warned us about what would happen happen when NAFTA came into place and the sucking sound that we would hear around the country as jobs went out of the United States and into China. And thankfully, you know, tr- Trump corrected that. But you know, I I voted for Jimmy Carter. You know, who was a Democrat. So again, I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to be an American, and I think, you know, and, you know, so somebody can get up there and say, well, I'm, it's about America. It's not about Democrats, Republicans. Well, what does your track record say? What does your track record say? I don't care what your words say. I don't care what anybody's words say. What is their track record? So, you know, I had the privilege. They did an Air Force funeral for my father-in-law where they – uh, you know, they play taps on the, on the trumpet and they fold the flag and hand it to my mother-in-law and go through that ceremony. I never had seen that live. It was chilling, chilling, uh, so special. So, I mean, I, I respect our military. I respect our police. Uh, I think that anybody thinks that we can defund the police is, is just living in la la land. Is America is America perfect? Of course not. But what country is? You know, travel outside the United States. And, you know, I've been in many different countries around the world, some that were under communist rule just, you know, less than 35 years ago. And, you know, the, the amount of respect they have and the appreciation for free enterprise and being free um, – it's it's unbelievable. It's a lesson that a lot of us can learn from, from you know, half, half being in in circumstances that none of us, many of us, have never had to go through. Are we perfect? No. But what country is? And again, I just help travel outside the United States. But more than anything, I just encourage you to live your truth. And love and support those closest in your life the best way you can and live a life of significance with, with through the network marketing business model. Uh, and that's the example that Mr. Holloway set for me and for everyone that knew him. It, he just did. He was one of a kind and there needs to be a lot more. Harold Holloway's uh, in this country and around the world. So if you guys will allow me, I'm just going to play a certain segment, just a short segment here from his actual funeral. They asked Don to participate and speak for a minute, my wife. And I thought she did phenomenal, but I think her words really kind of drive home the type of person, the type of type of significance the the type of positive impact that that people can make uh, if they come to the conclusion that that's why they're here to make a positive impact on the people around them. So we'll listen to that, and then I'll come back and end it up here in just a second. Thank you for joining us today to celebrate the life of our very special daddy. I have a couple of things I'd like to share with you today, but first I'd like to share a story about our dad. I don't have all the details of the story. Some of that will be left up to interpretation. But as my brother-in-law, Larry, reminded me a couple of days ago, sometimes the interpretation is better than reality. As many of you know, 
Our dad spent several years in the Air Force, serving in both Alaska and Florida in the early 1950s. He received training in the service as a firefighter, and when discharged, that became his lifelong career with the fire department at Lockheed Martin, where he was employed for over 41 years. Growing up, we heard many stories of him driving big fire trucks with the Air Force on the ice and snow-covered roads of Alaska, sometimes encountering wildlife such as moose. As a result, our dad became an expert driver, and if you know our dad, you know he loved driving and he loved classic cars such as his beloved 1954 Chevy, pictured here. He's a, he'd also been rumored at times to have a lead foot. <laughs> I recently came into possession of a document that apparently belonged to my dad at one point. It was passed along to me by my cousin Katie. She had recently been going through some things that had been passed down to her. And in the envelope was a folded up traffic citation from the state of Alabama issued to our dad 66 years ago. What in the world, I thought? He was driving his 1954 Chevy. But where was he going in such a hurry? Where was he coming from? And how much trouble would one of us six girls have been in had we been given a speeding ticket? <laughs> My initial thought was that I would get, I would give it to our dad as a Christmas gift and let him tell the story of the speeding ticket. But as I spent time with him in the hospital over the last couple of weeks, and I realized that time was fleeting, I decided to take the ticket with me to the hospital and let him tell the story. As Daddy became weaker, the opportunity didn't present itself for me to ask him. So that is where the interpretation of the rest of this story unfolds. As I looked closer at the citation, I noticed the letters E-L-A-B. Eglin Air Force Base in Florida, I thought. He'd been coming from Eglin, probably had been traveling up through Alabama and into Georgia. Another closer look at the date, December 14, 1954. That's when it hit me. He was in such a hurry on his way home from Eglin Air Force Base to get home to our mom, who he absolutely adored, and would marry just 11 days later on December 25, 1954. Yes, they got married on Christmas Day. The reality of this story will have to wait until I can ask him in heaven. Our parents were married just shy of 66 years. Our daddy was all about family. He loved getting together for any occasion, birthdays, holidays, family vacations. There was nothing he would rather be doing than spending time with us. Each of his six daughters were his favorite, and his grandchildren and the little greats were the apple of his eye. Several years ago, while running errands with my daddy, he commented on a custom license plate we saw on the road. I couldn't tell you now what the plate said, but I'll never forget that day what he said. He told me he would like to get a custom plate like that for his car. What would it say, I asked. My six girls, he replied. Having been his sole advocate at the hospital these last couple of weeks, thanks COVID, I had the opportunity to witness some things with my dad that I would hold on to for the rest of my life. Thanks God. One thing I will share is that he would tell anyone who would listen, doctors, nurses, cleaning staff, how wonderful his family was. There wasn't a person that came in that he didn't brag on us. And the many pictures of his family I placed on the walls in his hospital room. The chaplain then came by to visit one day and to pray over my daddy. After the prayer, daddy raised his hands toward the ceiling and said, I love you, Lord. That is one thing for certain. He absolutely did, and no doubt, 
is resting now with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As I continue to tell the chaplain about Daddy, his life, his family, Daddy looked at him and smiled and said, I've had a good life. The night before our Daddy passed, our family was granted one final gift with him. The six of us and our mom were given special permission to visit Daddy. For two hours that evening, our original eight were allowed to visit with Daddy, hold his hand, tell him how much we loved him, and he us. We will forever be thankful for that time. And we will always remember God's blessing from that night, especially during these unheard of times. This past Christmas, our family took the opportunity to write letters to our parents. Our gift to them was a book entitled, Letters from Your Children. Each daughter, son-in-law, grandchild, and great-grandchild expressed our love and appreciation to them through our words and pictures. And although we didn't know at the time it would be Daddy's last Christmas, we are so thankful we took the opportunity to put this book together for them. This letter is written to both my parents together, but there is no greater tribute I could ever give to my dad than this letter, and I'd like to share it with you now. Dear Mom and Daddy, As I sit down to write this letter, my heart is so full of gratitude for you both. I will start by saying that I'm so thankful for the happy stable home I grew up in. There wasn't a day that passed that I didn't know I was loved. Your unconditional love and support have carried me through many changes and challenges throughout my life, and you have always been there for me. The love you have always shown to each other and the lives you have led is a humbling example for each of us to follow. Your marriage, our home, and our family are built on the foundation of the gospel. And I'm so grateful for the strong Christian heritage you have passed down to us. Mom, we talk on the phone almost every day, but I can honestly say that every time you answer and hear my voice, you act as though it has made your day to hear from me. I have tremendous respect for your sound logic and judgment. You have been my voice of reason my whole life, and for that I am so grateful. Daddy, you taught me so much about work ethic. I watched you steadfastly provide for your family, despite numerous strikes and layoffs at Lockheed, filling in with whatever work you could find, and often picking up extra shifts to pick up overtime. I can still hear you tiptoeing through the house after coming off the graveyard shift, careful not to wake us. You were my first banker when I found that Ford EXP on the, light, on the lot. You gave me a loan and allowed me to repay you so I didn't have to pay all that interest to the bank. There's no way I could ever repay you both or even fully understand all the sacrifices made in raising six daughters. I know you don't view it as sacrifice, but as your responsibility as parents. The emotional and financial calculator overwhelms me when I multiply times six the number of diaper changes, kissed boo-boos, sleepless nights of worry, sickness, homework, braces, prom dresses, driving lessons, teenage hormonal meltdowns, graduations, weddings, and perhaps most of all, patience, it must have taken. But the most amazing thing is, you never made us feel like we were a burden. And it's only through becoming a parent myself did I realize how oblivious we were to your innumerable sacrifices on our behalf. I've been blessed with a childhood full of wonderful memories that I cherish to this day. Our family beach vacations are among my favorite. Riding the waves with Daddy in the ocean and him patiently holding my float 
hundreds of times as I jumped onto it from the diving board. Mom's snacks prepared for the road trip down and the wonderful food she prepared in that tiny little kitchen at the Grand Prix and looking for seashells. In my adult life, being able to take Taylor and Tori on a few of our family beach trips, in addition to the trips we took together with them to Hawaii, California, and other places, will always hold a special place in my heart. Daddy, I loved helping you in our summer vegetable garden, picking up potatoes behind your tractor, and afterwards, rides down Greer Drive and the little homemade cart you made to pull us behind in the tractor. Long summer days spent in our playhouse, which you built with your own hands. Mom, the little lunch dates you took us on to eat at Woolworth's drugstore counter, hearing lessons of Jesus in your Sunday school class, how delighted we were at your little surprise trips to Rich's department store to shop for a new outfit or your use your employee discount. Trips to Kmart on Saturdays to shop 45 records for the latest top 40 hits. The Christmas Eve spent at grandmother's house. The ride home with all of you being just as priceless to me. Singing Christmas carols and looking for Santa in the sky. One of my earliest childhood memories is the day we picked up Fred. I spent many happy days playing with him and the other couple of dogs that you allowed us to keep after following us home from the bus stop. I have so enjoyed hearing both you tell me your own stories about growing up in Arnco Village, Whitesburg, and Daddy's many Air Force stories. So Mom and Daddy, thank you from the bottom of my heart for being such a strong cornerstone for this family. Each one of us has been touched by your love and I consider myself incredibly blessed to be your daughter. I love you so very much, Dawn. Over the past couple of years, as I would leave my parents' home after dropping Daddy off from running an errand or for taking him to a doctor's appointment, he would give me the double thumbs up and tell me, thanks a million, hon for everything. You're a lifesaver. But thank you, Daddy, for everything. You were the best. Uh, that was my my wife, Dawn, and ladies and gentlemen, that's a life of significance. That's a life of significance. I want to encourage you, leave your truth Live a life of significance, because when it's all said and done, all that really matters is the positive impact that you've had on other people. I've heard it said that life is God's gift to us and what we do with it, with it and the positive examples and impact we have on others is our gift to Him. You can decide today to live a life of significance if you don't feel like you have it to, to this point. I mean, you can. It doesn't happen by accident. There's no other calling or profession I know of other than the ministry that can give you the opportunity to make such a, to be able to support people at a level that they're not used to being supported and have such a positive impact on people like the network marketing business model. It's something that's not talked about enough, but every network marketer, I believe, should embrace that because that's the real benefit is the impact that you can have on other people. You can make a huge impact on other people. You can lead others, but first you have to become a good follower. You can teach others, but first you have to become a good student. Your success is in direct proportion to the positive impact, ultimately, that you have on other people. That's an idea that's worth getting from your head to your heart. Your success is in direct proportion to the positive impact you have on other people. A life of significance is determined by the impact that you do have on other people. And that is the foundation 
of the network marketing business model. Yes, there are many businesses that allow you to create wealth, but how many of you allow you to create real, lasting, generational impact? That's my thoughts. I hope it stimulates thoughts for you guys. I hope this spoke to you. Go vote. Go vote. This is Del Calvert. I'll talk with you next week on another session of the MLM Success Podcast. If you haven't gone over to iTunes yet and rated and left this podcast a review, what are you waiting for? At Calvert Marketing Group, we want to spend our time on the projects that we know are providing the most value for our clients and customers. You leaving us a review and feedback on iTunes is something that helps us more than you realize. And more importantly, it helps others like you find us. So if you've not taken the time to rate this podcast, please go over to iTunes and do that for us now. It will only take a couple of minutes out of your busy schedule. Work harder on yourself than you do on your business, and we will be back next week with another inspiring success story, wisdom of the ages training, or answers to your questions.